On today's show, Jabari Smith Jr. on fire and Tari Eason dominant against the San Antonio Spurs in the Houston Rockets' first preseason game. On their way to a blowout of the Spurs, we're going to talk about their impressive performances. We're going to talk about Bruno Fernando coming up with a surprising four-year deal just before tip-off against San Antonio, what that means for his role on this Houston Rockets team moving forward, as well as we'll dive into the fact that Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green didn't exactly have the best games around. However, that's okay. Garrison Matthews getting just five minutes of playing time and Josh Christopher being the 12th guy off the Houston Rockets bench. All of that and more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays, host of State of the Rockets podcast, as well as Rockets Watch. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. We are free and available on all podcast platforms and we are on YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. Now, for today's episode, we get to talk about Jabari Smith Jr. being on fire against the San Antonio Spurs. Tari Eason dominant off the bench. The Rockets just blowing the Spurs out of the water completely. This was such a fun fun game. So many different takeaways from this game. We're not going to be able to get to all of them in one episode. I'm going to tackle the big stuff, the most important stuff in this episode. And with that, that means we have to start with Jabari Smith Jr., who again was just fantastic in this game. 21 points on 8 of 15 shooting, 5 of 8 from long range, had 8 rebounds and 2 assists in 24 minutes of play, plus 19 in 24 minutes of action. Now look, I don't want to say I told you so. But I am going to say I told you so to every single Jabari Smith Jr. doubter out there who took one look at a five-game sample size of Summer League and said, yep, he's a bust. He can't shoot. He was right. You know, the, the magic were right to pass on him. All of the above, right? This is the version of Jabari Smith Jr. that I had to sit there during Summer League and project and say, hey, just imagine when he gets to play off a of KPJ. Just imagine when he gets to play off a of Jalen. Just imagine when he gets to play off of Alper and Shingoon. And lo and behold, would you look at that? He was thriving in this Houston Rockets offense, playing off of other guys who have gotten him some of the easiest shots of his entire career. He was feasting from beyond the three-point. I don't know why the Spurs kept leaving him so wide open. It was kind of hilarious to see. And Jabari even commented on that post game. It was somebody asked, you know, what any idea why the Spurs kept leaving you open? He was like, I, I don't know why they kept leaving me open, but uh, I, I, I think they got the message now. So 
it'll be fun to see how the scouting reports kind of, you know, track Jabari Smith and how they try to slow him down. But just the different ways that he was able to impact this game. His first bucket wasn't even an outside shot. It wasn't even a three. He was setting a flare screen in the corner for Eric Gordon, and he just flashed towards the basket because the two defenders on the Spurs got confused, didn't know which guy to tag. And LP was at the t- at the you know in the high post saw Jabari flash towards the rim boom easy pass easy dunk for two right at the rim, and here's the other really cool stat: Jabari was assisted on all but one of his buckets. So LP assisted him on two buckets right at the rim. KJ Martin assisted him on another bucket right at the rim in transition. So Josh Christopher was pushing the ball, got it to KJ. KJ couldn't quite go up with it, so he lobbed it up for Jabari. Jabari caught it, finished it right at the rim. Uh, just, you know, kissed it off the glass. So those were his six points inside the arc. Uh, and then uh, outside the arc, he was assisted by Eric Gordon twice, by Kevin Porter Jr. once, and by Jalen Green once uh, on all those threes. And then he had one three-pointer that was probably my favorite three of the entire... Well, you know what? I'm going to have to backtrack that. Because Jabari had the one three-pointer where he walked the ball up and with all the confidence in the world, like walked it up from like the half-court line and just walked straight into a three-pointer. That was his fourth triple of the game. Uh, His fifth triple was impressive as well and probably shouldn't have counted as an assist for EG but it did where EG dished it to Jabari and Jabari had to take like a quick step back at the top of the key and just elevated straight up and that was his fifth three-pointer of the night but I think the one that is maybe probably my favorite overall just because of how surprising it was was KPJ off on the you know in the strong side corner uh had the ball kind of down low for whatever reason and then like walked it back out um you know, was on the it was on the wing or wing corner area, and was you know getting into his little KPJ crafty shifty dribble moves, whatever, and then whipped a one handed pass cross court to Jabari in the opposite corner, and Jabari was able to just elevate and drain the corner three. And Jabari said post game that he and KPJ kind of like made eye contact just before the pass, and he was even like he had a moment where he was like nobody nobody makes that pass, like nobody expects that pass to happen, so. That was a it was a cool moment, a cool little you know connection between those two guys. Jalen had the assist where Jalen was bringing the ball up in transition and kind of looked like he was getting ready to you know turn the Jets on and and drive straight to the rack. And instead, just a quick little dish to Jabari off on the wing and easy three, easy money for Jabari Smith Jr. Who again, hopefully, this will silence some of the Jabari Smith doubters, the haters out there, because not only. Was he so impressive for just from the the outside shooting perspective? But again, he was able to he was able to finish inside, and that was the other cool part of his game is his ability to kind of move without the basketball at times to set good quality screens and then kind of cut in flash in towards the paint to have the ability, the confidence to move in transition kind of fluidly. Um, and then his defense, man. Oh my God. Like there, you know, tracking stats wise, you know, no blocks, no steals, but just the amount of space that he occupies on the floor, the way that he kind of changes things, makes things, you know, disrupts things defensively. That was my, that was my word of the game, if you will, was like disruptions, right? The Rockets had so many disruptions this game. I really want to, I should have probably looked up how many deflections they had. I don't even know if 
NBA.com is tracking that yet for preseason. But I'd be curious to know just how many deflections this Rockets team had because it felt like they had they constantly had their hands in passing lanes, were were really aggressive and disruptive, you know, messing with what the Spurs were trying to do offensively, taking them out of their comfort zone. And he's just a really high IQ defender. Knows knows how to switch well. When he does switch, he like he jumps out on a switch to really like disrupt the defender. And he had one possession where he closed out on a three-point shooter and he contested the shot from the corner. And if if I do remember, I believe it was a miss. He contested the shot, you know, closed out to the to the corner, got the hand up to contest the shot, and as he went flying by the defender, you know, a more inexperienced, you know, less intelligent defender might have gone careening into the guy, right? Three free throws, everybody's pissed. Jabari got his hand up to contest the shot and, like, twisted his body midair to avoid any contact with the shooter. And I watched that, and I was just like, my jaw kind of hit the table because I was just like, this this kid just is, he's so good defensively already, and he's only going to get better that's the crazy thing. He's just 19. He just turned 19. There is a reason that he was at number one on everybody's draft board for so, so long. And the fact that he slipped down to the Houston Rockets at number three is absurd. It's like he was built in a lab to play alongside Alperin Shingun and Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. And, and that's probably the biggest takeaway that I actually want to get into in, a, in our next episode, more than likely, is not more than likely, definitely, is his play off of and with Alperin Shingun. Again, Alpi had two dimes to Jabari Smith in this game, and that doesn't even include that. He had no three-point dimes to him in this game, but their ability to play off each other, their ability to kind of mask each other's deficiencies in the game is really impressive, and again, I think that's going to be a really uh, fortuitous uh, pairing for the Houston Rockets moving forward. So coming up, we will talk about Bruno and his brand new contract. We're also going to talk about Tari Eason's dominant display against the San Antonio Spurs. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. And it is so, so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. Then once you create the job post, all you do is add the job and the purple little hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's keep talking about this fantastic win against the San Antonio Spurs. Now, look, I will say before we, because we will talk about Bruno and Tari, but I will say that even though this is a preseason game, and even though it's the San Antonio Spurs who have a pretty solid chance at taking, taking, tanking it works um taking the mantle from the houston rockets for being the worst team in the association this year 
I will say that this Rockets team just, they look and feel different. They, they feel like a completely different team on the floor together. They are playing hard for each other. They are working well together. Offensively, seeing bigs on the floor consistently in Shingun and Bruno and Usman and Jabari and Tari, guys who are screening effectively for their guards, is opening up so much more for them offensively. Yes, this is a Christian Wood subtweet. And where I'm going with this is it's crazy how much getting rid of one guy can kind of change the entire mentality of a team, right? Because C. Wood was, right, at, you know, arguably the most talented player on the Rockets roster, and it definitely thought, of, you know, highly of himself, and probably he probably thought he was the best player on the Rockets roster. And when your best player, whatever, whether or not he was, you know, it doesn't work hard defensively, is lazy offensively doesn't work to you know free up others doesn't do the little things like that is that is infectious right in a locker room and then that breeds a negative mentality amongst the rest of the team and again it's one preseason game I do not want to overreact the Rockets are not suddenly like playing bound they're not winning 35 plus games none of that right but I do think this is going to be the team that nobody wants to play against they are going to play hard they're going to play fast. They're going to play cohesively. They're going to play damn hard defense. And nobody's going to look forward to playing the Rockets this year. And I think that's exactly the type of growth and development that you want to see if you're trying to see what Steven Silas is all about. Um, already, again, one game in, one preseason game in. I'm curious to see how it's going to translate to the regular season. But I am incredibly optimistic that this team just feel looks and feels drastically different from last year. So... Let's talk Tari first, because Tari just, I mean, he was just a wrecking ball, unstoppable force. 21 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, 9 of 13 shooting, 1 of 2 from behind the 3-point line, 2 of 3 shooting at the charity stripe. Just an impressive all-around game from Tari. Did a little bit of everything, banked a 3-pointer in. I heard him call bank. He definitely called it. Um, No, it was... uh, it was great to see him kind of just pick up right where he left off from summer league. He's, you know, such a such a force when he gets going downhill in the half court in transition. Doesn't matter. Uh, the Spurs had zero answer for Tari driving to the rim, and he just kept doing it, and they couldn't stop him. Uh, I'm surprised he only tallied two steals because it felt like he had like four or five at some point in the game. Like I looked down, and I was like, he's got to have like four steals by now, and he only he was only credited with two. Um, but just a really, really solid all-around performance from Tari, both offensively, defensively, stayed in his lane, did what he does well. And, you know, oh, I should I should say I completely, I'm, I'm doing this this season. I almost completely spaced. It's a new thing. Sorry. Um, our locked-on Rockets player of the game is none other than Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, as voted on by you on social media, on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to put out a poll after every game to see, you know, who do you want to be the player of the game? The Locked On Rockets player of the game, if you will. I'm going to tally all those up once we get to the end of the season and I'll crown the Locked On Rockets player of the year. So that should be a ton of fun to kind of pay attention to. And we'll do intermediate check-ins throughout the season and say, oh, well, Jalen has this many games, Jabari has this many games, whatever. Um, So yeah, uh, Tari's game, fantastic. I I really thought that he made his presence felt off the bench in a big, big way. Uh, The other presence 
off the Rockets bench. Uh, and you know, not a huge game from Bruno Fernando, but some big news right before tip-off that Bruno inked a four-year, $10 million deal with the Houston Rockets. Now, we did have uh, sport, uh, you know, Adam Spillane from uh, Sports Radio 610 report that apparently Bruno Fernando has been phenomenal throughout Rockets training camp. And that's, you know, semi-vague, but, but he's been phenomenal. And so it was curious because right, this seemingly kind of comes out of nowhere. I, I definitely thought Bruno was going to get a two-way deal for sure, especially once he signed that Exhibit 10, the Exhibit 10 deal. So to see him get a full-blown NBA contract means two things. One, this Rockets team is incredibly high on Bruno, and for good reason. Like, one of the reasons that we've talked about Bruno being a really interesting piece for this team is he can do things on this roster that no other player can at the five spot, right? He's bigger, and he's a better athlete than Usman Garuba. He can play above the rim offensively. He's got, you know, better size than Garuba for sure. Uh, say, and that same that same thing goes for the comparison to Alper and Shagun, right? Alpi doesn't play above the rim. You know, Alpi can dunk, but he's not an above the rim threat. So Bruno kind of fills a niche role on this team as like a, a kind of a rim running above the rim big who can also make his presence felt defensively. And I think he was another big part of why this Rockets team felt night and day different in this game defensively because his interior defense, especially in the first half, was really solid. Like he was just guarding everything at the rim was contesting shots at a high level was rebounding solid, or at least, you know, boxing out, you know, do it, doing all the little work that you want to do or that you want to get out of your five spot. Um, and then he had a couple of really solid roles in this game. You know, KPJ fed him a couple times on the roll and it looked really, really good. Um, having that lob threat where they could just toss the ball up towards the rim and Bruno just goes up and gets it. So, what does that mean for, right? There's a couple things to unpack from this, right? What does that mean for Usman Garuba moving forward? Is he the, you know, the third center in the rotation now? Is he going to even get consistent minutes on a nightly basis? Or is he going to continue to be kind of the project big for this Rockets team, which is, you know, kind of upsetting if that's the case. But if Bruno earned that spot ahead of Usman Garuba, then we'll see how that plan pays out. Maybe, maybe they're both going to fight it out for that spot, or maybe it's a situational thing. One night it's Bruno, one night it's Usman, one night it's Bruno, one night it's Usman. Who knows? The other thing is who else on this roster is going to get cut? This roster was already 15 deep with Bruno on, you know, projected to be on a two way deal. Who is on the way out? Somebody is going to get bounced and, and pretty quickly here because the Rockets are running out of time to, clean up their roster and get it down to the to the maximum 15 allotted, you know, NBA salaried players. And I cannot figure out who is going to be out, right? KJ Martin kind of makes a lot of obvious sense, although KJ was pretty fantastic this game in the minutes that he played. Looked really, really good. Uh, just, you know, out there doing his thing and didn't really, again, just, you know, filling his role, right? Um, so KJ is the obvious choice. Eric Gordon, the other possible obvious choice, I, I I really don't know. I'm gonna have to sit down and really kind of you know scratch my head and think about who makes sense to get rid of, and I'm gonna have to recount the entire roster and figure out. All right, well, who's on the way out then? Because um, they're also probably gonna want to hold on to Derek Favors as uh, as a piece to potentially deal or flip further down the the deadline, unless they're just gonna unless they're just gonna wave Favors and tell him to get out of here. Um, I, I, I really don't know what direction they're going to go to open up that roster spot, but I do want to say, you know, 
congratulations to Bruno. I do think he earned it, right? He had minutes last season where he, you know, in certain spot minutes, he looked really, really good. He had a chance to kind of prove himself. I thought there might've been something there. I was interested in his possibilities, a long-term kind of prospect for this Rockets team. Very clearly, he impressed throughout the offseason, throughout training camp. And he did a post-game interview, which is available on my uh, Jackson Gatlin media channel. The link is in the bio. Um... And he was just really genuine in the interview, right? He talked about the fact that he spoke with ex-Rocket center Clint Capella about how to kind of make himself useful for an organization, right? How to make yourself an asset for a team, for an organization, and that it was his job to kind of look around and see, okay, what is this team missing can I provide what this team is missing? And then if you can, to do that. And I think for this Rockets team, he can do that at the five spot, right? He can be that rim running above the rim threat, that vertical spacing threat at the five spot that is a different dynamic and adds another dimension to this Rockets team for ball handlers like Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green. And it kind of unlocks something new that they don't have when LP is on the floor or when Garuba is on the floor, or even if Jabari's playing the five, all these little things, right? So a lot of little wrinkles to take away from Bruno Fernando, excited about what that looks like or what he looks like in his new role moving forward. And again, is he the new de facto backup center behind Alper and Shingun? Only time will tell. Coming up, want to get into some of the other threads from this game that are worth mentioning. We'll talk about Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, the fact that neither of them had really astonishingly, astonishingly good games, but the reason that it's okay. We'll also talk about Gary Bird, his minutes total, and Josh Christopher being the 12th guy off the bench. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your football odds and betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every single game that you can get your hands on. Right now, you can take a look at the odds-on favorites for the NBA title this season. Just head over to BetOnline right now. You can see that, unfortunately... The Golden State Warriors are the favorites to win the title at plus 575. Boston Celtics right behind them at plus 600. Coming in third, you got the Milwaukee Bucks at plus 700. And then rounding out the top five, you've got the Brooklyn Nets and John Wall's new home, the LA Clippers, at plus 750 apiece. So for all of that and more odds, head over to betonline.net to learn more about the trends and action available to you. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's kind of unwind some of the other threads from this game. Now, I will say that uh, Alperin Shingun was our kind of like tertiary nomination for uh, Locked on Rockets player of the game. And it's worth noting he had a, a fantastic game in his first start now as the new official starting center for the Houston Rockets. 13 points on five of six shooting. 3 of 5 from the charity stripe. He also brought back the free throw whispering routine, so now that is back after he got rid of it during Eurobasket. We're going to have to find out why he got rid of it and then why he brought it back. I will ask him at my next possible convenience. I should have asked him post-game. He was available to us post-game. Didn't think about it. Bad reporter. I'll be better. Um, But uh, he also had 5 rebounds, 3 assists. Just... And I think the biggest standout, right, of this game, especially early on, was when he was on the floor, he was kind of the offensive hub. Like, it wasn't like he was an ancillary piece. It was, he was screening, he was rolling, he was getting, and what I loved was he would kind of, like, he would screen for Kevin Porter Jr. or Jalen Green, and they would kind of, like, 
you know, take the screen, see if the, the driving lane was there, maybe get a rescreen from LP. And then if they just couldn't shake their defender or if there just wasn't something there, if they couldn't hit LP on the roll, whatever, they would just then just throw the ball down to LP and he would just get it on, you know, on the catch with his back, you know, against the defender and get an easy post up. Uh, he, I mean, he went down low against Jakob Pertl a handful of different times and found a lot of success. So it felt like there was a different dynamic where it's like, all right, hey, LP, we're going to get you your touches, but first, like, give us some really solid screens. And then, you know, if we can't get something going, if we can't get downhill off one of these screens, then we're going to get you the ball. Just give us, like, you know, the first 10 or 12 seconds of the shot clock to work with. And then if nothing materializes, we're going to get it down to you. And it felt like that kind of worked offensively for a lot for large stretches of this game. So I, I liked what I saw. Uh, out of Alper and Shingun, uh, especially, again, from the screening perspective of this game. Now, Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green did not have the greatest game of all time. KPJ, just nine points on three of nine shooting. Jalen Green, seven points on three of 12 shooting. Uh, Now, the both of them, KPJ did have six assists. Jalen Green had three assists. KPJ had three steals. Jalen Green had a steal. They were impacting the game in other ways, and I think that is the key takeaway here is that even though KPJ and Jalen Green both struggled to actually put the ball in the bucket, which is what they both do at an elite level, the fact that the Rockets came out and were absolutely blew out the Spurs when their two, two best players, two best offensive players, couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat, that is an encouraging sign because they won this game defensively. They won it defensively, and then even though those two guys were struggling to put the ball in the bucket, they were still facilitating. They were still creating for their teammates. Jalen Green was still finding Jabari. KPJ was finding Jabari and Bruno. LP, he was dishing the ball at a high level, found Eric Gordon a couple different times. And I think that's the really cool thing is they had a really balanced scoring total across the entire team, right? You look at the starters, three guys in double figures, Jabari Smith Jr. leading the way with 21, Shingun and Gordon both with 13 off the bench, Tari Eason with 21 points, Josh Christopher with 15 off the bench. So just an all-around balanced scoring game from everybody. And so I do think that is a really encouraging sign is that even though those two guys, again, struggled to make shots. Jalen Green finished with the highest plus minus on the team, plus 24 in his 23 minutes played. And KPJ finished with the second highest plus minus on the team, plus 23 in 20 minutes played. So again, impacting the game in other ways. And I test would tell you, right, just watching the game, KPJ looked great. He looked like he was handling the ball really well. And I, oh, this was my number one thing for KPJ. Unless I missed it. And I don't think I did because I was paying, I was trying to pay super close attention. Like even if I was glancing at my phone, sending out a tweet, whatever. I don't think I saw KPJ do his little like dribble drive, shifty, you know, whatever, get to his little like, you know, in his bag kind of moves and then pick up the ball and have nowhere to go with it. I don't think I saw that once this game, which that was my gigantic pet peeve early last season. I was like, stop picking up your dribble with nowhere to go. Like, you know, wasting 10 seconds on the shot clock and then you're just in no man's land and somebody has to come bail you out with a cut or whatever to, to get the ball and then you've wasted, you know, half the shot clock. I don't think I saw any of that in this game. And he was getting into early offensive sets with purpose. He was initiating quickly. It really felt like KPJ had a firm control of this game, even though he wasn't hitting his shots. And it, it is worth noting, even though he wasn't hitting, you know, his shots at a super, super high level, um, he did hit a couple middies, right? He like opened up, you know, and had a couple middies here and there that looked solid, 
right? So if he can get to that mid-range shot, you know, maybe not at will, but just situationally to kind of get into the flow of the offense and maybe get himself going a little bit, that could go a long way for him to kind of unlock his offensive game and maybe like open up, you know, get the lid off the basket from three if he's struggling to hit the outside shots, whatever, um, which he did hit a three in this one, one of three from, from downtown. Um, Garrison Matthews, only five minutes in this game. I thought that was kind of crazy to think about, um, especially because coming in, I, I definitely had Gary Bird pegged as like, all right, he's going to get some burn. He's going to, you know, be a, a focal point, if you will. And I, I wonder if it boils down to look, and, and this was an argument that I had in my head for a while. And I could, I could make the same argument for like why Jay Sean Tate should start over Eric Gordon is if you can just be a defensive like oriented team, right? If you can be a defense first organization team, whatever top to bottom, and if you can win games with your defense as your primary tool, then offensively, you don't have to worry about outscoring your opponent. You don't have to be, you know, on fire constantly from beyond the arc. You don't have to shoot 40 plus every night from, from long range to give yourself even just a fighting chance to win the game. If you can control the the flow and the tempo and the pace and everything from a defensive perspective. And so I think I, I wonder, I'm curious, right? If Steven Silas just kind of saw the way that this game was going, was like, you know what? All right. We don't need Gary Bird shooting. Everybody else can, right? We're just, we're clamping down on defense. I'm just going to throw the bruisers out there, right? KJ Martin, Tari Eason, just let the big boys do their work. And, you know, spacing be damned. We don't need the spacing because the Spurs can't stop anything that we're driving anyways. They're getting pummeled on the interior. Like, I'm curious what the thought process was that went into Garrison Matthews only getting five minutes. I'm sure that there were a lot of Rockets fans out there that were excited and happy that he only got five minutes. I do think Garrison has a has a place and has a role on this team as a shooter, as a floor spacer, as somebody who should still get spot minutes occasionally. I am excited about the potential, right? Just based on how damn good Tari Eason looked, I would be ecstatic if Tari is somehow a part of like the Rockets' nine, ten-man rotation in the early going of the season. It's worth noting, right? Jay Sean Tate did not play this game. So what does this rotation look like when... Steven Silas actually has to factor in guy, you know, bringing back a guy like Jay Sean Tate. Is he just not going to play Garrison Matthews? I, I I don't know, right? There's still a lot of question marks about what the rotation's ultimately going to look like. You cannot take away any rotation or lineup information from this game whatsoever other than I'm pretty sure EG is going to be the starting three. Like, that's the only bit of information that I'm comfortable saying. And then maybe, to an extent, right, Bruno is probably the, the de facto backup big. Um, but even then, right, maybe Usman Garuba makes more sense defensively for a, for a given matchup on a given night. You know, there's a lot that's still to be determined with this Rockets team. The last point that I want to bring up here from this game that really stood out was Josh Christopher being the 12th man off the Rockets bench. I was like counting subs and I was like, all right, right. So, so and let me double check my notes here. Yeah. So the, the first substitution pattern off the bench was Dacian, Dacian Nix, Bruno Fernando and KJ Martin all checked in uh, for KPJ, Eric Gordon and KPJ, Eric Gordon. And why am I blanking on the last one? And Alpi, there we go. Uh, so Jalen and Jabari stayed on the floor with them. So that was the first sub set of subs off the bench. And then, Tari and Garrison checked in for Jalen and Jabari. And then Dacian actually checked back out and KPJ came back in. Uh, EG also came back in for Garrison after his quick little five minutes. Um, and I'm just like, Silas is going through his rotations and I was kind of sitting there like, hey, did you 
you forget about Josh? Like he's over there on the bench. Uh, I was just very curious. And again, it, I, I'm, it really kind of threw me off and Josh had a good game. Like Josh, Josh went out there and do, did what he does and he got buckets. He shot. So he, he had 15 points shot t- six of 10 from the floor, three of four from the three point line. He was over two at the charity stripe. You like to see that be a little bit better. He got four rebounds, four assists. He had a steal. Like Josh was, a two-way presence out there, getting it done on both ends, shooting the ball really well, facilitating for his teammates at a decent level. Like, that's the version of Josh Christopher that I'm like, yeah, that's the Josh that we wanted during Summer League, right? Rebounding, facilitating, scoring when he needs to score, but not like, you know, not putting all the onus on himself to go like, you know, one-on-two, one-on-three when he drives the ball in. So I really hope that that's not a, a pattern like I do not want to see Josh be buried on the bench like Josh has has proven repeatedly that with consistent playing time he can be a valuable member of this team I still have hopes that he can be a two-way type player further down the line it's it's a mentality thing with him right where if he dedicates himself to the idea of yo I'm a two-way player like I I can impact the game on both sides and especially the defensive side right it feels like this Rockets team is developing a new defensive identity, right? All the focus from a lot of the players has been on the defensive side, what they can accomplish on that end. You've got Lionel Hollins now, who I'm sure has a very high bar of expectations for what he wants out of these guys, uh, out of these young guys defensively. And it feels like everybody's kind of bought into that same, that same idea. So if you've got a guy like Jabari, who's just vocal and like bringing you along, like, come on, like we're, we're, we're going to hang our hat defensively. Right. And you've got others like Jay Sean Tate, right. KPJ, who has improved dramatically defensively from where he was to start last year to this year, all these different things. It, it, it's, I don't think it's, you know, a stretch to think Josh can be a two-way defensive force, can be a good like point of attack defender, can be disruptive, can use his size uh, to really make a difference defensively. And so I walk away thinking he was, he was really solid this game. Uh, and it was kind of, you know, interesting again to see him be all the way down the basically the, the final, like, you know, legitimate substitution off the bench for the Rockets before they got down to like the, you know, the super garbage time guys. Like again, you know, Ty Ty, Trevor Hudgens, Boban. Um, I mean, Silas went all 15 deep, right? So, I mean, he used everybody on the roster. Um, and wait, did he go? Is it, was it even more than 15? Right. It's more than 15. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. No, 15 deep. Okay. I wasn't sure if you were allowed to go past 15 deep. Do they even have more than 15 guys? Anyways, I should have like double checked that. Silas went 15 deep. Numbers are hard, um, which is why uh, that's probably a good sign to wrap up the podcast. Uh, again, there, there are some other threads from this game that I want to tackle and untangle. I want to, you know, revisit Jabari Smith and Alper and Shingun, their ability to play off one another. I uh, want to tackle a, a handful of other different things from this game. We're going to revisit those topics throughout this week as we prepare for the Rockets' next preseason game later this week on Friday against the Toronto Raptors. But as always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We are also available on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.